All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday. It's November 4th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis and Doug. Yeah, the fate of the nation, democracy, is in our hands. But the important thing for today, an early look at cash games for Week 9 of DFS and FanDuel and DraftKings. <laughs> so we're coming... I will say we're coming off of... Uh, the election is where it stands right now. I don't know. What I, making a final call on this is impossible. I'm going to leave politics out of this right now. I am going to say that last night had to be the cra- and it probably still is the craziest betting. So we're around 12 hours right now. Now I'm going to say 15 hours, and it's ongoing. The craziest 15 hours of betting in history, right? Like the swings that the odds took. Basically, from the time the polls closed till now, I've never in my life seen like anything like, and I don't think anyone else has either. Like, have seen things go from like Biden minus one seventy five, Biden minus two fifty, and then like in the span of like something like a half hour, it's like Trump minus five hundred. Like, it just simply doesn't happen. There's no scenario. It definitely can't happen in sports. There's no – short of like – Well, what happened in like live repeat- betting, right? This is like what happens when like the Dodgers are down by a run in the top of the ninth, right? And then they hit a run-scoring double, and then they go up by one. Like that's the that's the only – Well, Gary, it happens but- like once. It happens once. This happened, yeah, this happened in insane swings over the course of many hours. And so it's almost like – it's like it's it's like if you played a it's you played an endless football game and, and <laughs> right. players kept di- and players and players kept dying and they were able to like draft other players from other teams to come in and take their spots like this is like this is what would happen <laughs> like if like like a quarterback just like that guy gets hurt and then they're just like okay hey we're gonna bring Patrick Mahomes for our quarterback now you're like holy shit like now it's gotta be like minus seven hundred but then he dies and then they bring in Ben DiNucci it's like well now the other team is minus seven hundred yeah, like right. this is like there's like no there's no sports equivalent to for how long this went and how quickly odds just shifted and you and we talked a little bit about this before like no matter where you landed on the aisle like explain this we're gonna get the football in a second but this is worth mentioning because this is like this is this is the betting moment of our lifetime like the arbitrage Mm. possibilities on this were i I don't think you even need to care who would have won right like like if you just if you just went into it with that well then that's kind of the way it it played out as well where it's like to, to build upon your football analogy it would be like if 50 football games were being played simultaneously but the aggregate score between all of them would lead, or like random numbers of points were assigned to each game in order to determine the winner, right? right? So it's like, oh, the game in New Hampshire is only worth four points, but the game in Pennsylvania is worth 25. Oh, but that game might take two weeks, and this other game is already over. <laughs> like, it's just right. absolutely insane. And and the arbitrage, like you described, basically, you know, this idea that you can get different lines at different places, Right people are just looking at totally different information to decide what the new fair odds are. So they're like, oh, over here, man, Trump crushed it with Latino voters in like Dade County. That was unexpected. Trump minus 400. If this trend continues in Texas and elsewhere, he's got it. And then moments later, it's like, actually, Biden somehow crushed it with whites in Ohio. What could that mean for Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania? It's like, what? So Latino voters could decide this for Trump and white people could decide this for Biden. Like, what's going on? And, yeah, the swings from, like, I think I saw Biden at plus 500 at one point. I wake up this morning, the Biden is minus, Biden minus 375, even though, like, by my best estimation, things haven't changed yet. I think the, the swings and the stakes, certainly, 
I feel bad for people that don't have a little sweat on this, like from the gambling perspective, even if you don't have money on it, if you're not appreciating this, because it makes it a lot more fun than sitting around worrying that there's going to be, you know, more rioting, you know, extended plagues and so on. <laughs> so it's a better, a more I mean, fun I don't way have, to I don't have a, I know you have a, you have, I don't know if you want, you want to talk about your positions at all. You don't have to if you don't, don't want care. to. Uh, but, um, what's that? Yeah, I don't care. I bet Biden huge um, when he was plus 110. Um, yeah. And so we went into this saying, um, you know, I said I was talking to some other people just like uh, outside of this like gambling circle. I said basically every sharp better that I know or know of was so heavy on Biden going like the they yeah. just major positions. There wasn't like one single person that I would consider a smart better. And like, look, look, uh, you can come at us if you think mm-hmm. that like that's a wrong thing. Um, there just simply wasn't. A, and, and by the way, some of these people, too, were had huge Trump positions in 2016. So it wasn't like it, this wasn't betting with your <laughs> betting with your ballot. It was more like betting with what they believe to be. Uh, fair market odds compared to what actual reality is going to be. So I, some people really have an impossible time um, not conflating those two things and want to believe that bets are made because of how, uh, by the way, among people that like do this professionally, not your neighbor, right? <laughs> like they have a really hard time reconciling the idea. They have the same hard, difficult time reconciling with the sports too. It's like, right. oh yeah, you know, like, um, and by the way, this is just kind of this has turned into just one big sport. There's a reason this is like labeled under the sports book on every on every major sports book. It's because this is a sport at this point. It's not. It's really. I know the stakes feel a little higher. Anyway, well, it reminds um, me actually and, a lot of like the um, Mayweather McGregor fight, and the yeah. the comparison there is that when something that people have no clue how to evaluate becomes extremely popular to talk about, the way the money comes in is tons of money on the wrong like mathematically the wrong uh option but for little bits at a time you know hundred dollars here three hundred dollars there and then huge seas of money from sharp betters who are like okie dokie like the mayweather mcgregor fight i believe it opened at mayweather is like minus 2500 mcgregor plus 1100 no information at all came in and then there was a moment where mayweather was like i think minus 500 or maybe even better and McGregor, you had to pay, like, you could only get plus 300, right? And so at that point, like, when I started hearing random uncles and stuff talking about that fight and be like, what? <laughs> he doesn't know anything about boxing. Right. Uh, that's when I went and, and hammered that one as well. And this one really felt like that, where it's like people literally just can't do more than see how big people's rallies are on Twitter, look outside, see how many lawn signs they see of the various candidates. And, uh, and then these betting markets are talked about so much that people wanted some skin in the game. So... Uh, I will say, though, that if Trump does pull this out, I'm going to really rethink what sort of data is meaningful. And I, I'm right now, whatever happens, whether Biden or Trump wins, I'm, I'm leaning more in the direction of, you know, say someone like Nassim Tlaib, who points out that it's really hard to be a true nine to one favorite in something like this with all the uncertainty around polling and, you know, just to partisan attitudes and so on and so forth so i'll probably be amending my strategy for the next presidential election regardless but uh certainly i think the strategy actually is to bet nothing until the night of and then hammer the best lines on different sites as little pieces of news come in that uh that don't move things as much as they appear to so that's a lesson learned for next time but um but yeah fascinating night for gambling for sure that was your election cash game podcast. Let's get into the NFL cash game podcast for this week, for week nine. Um, I, in some ways, this this week, last week presented a lot of uncertainty around injuries and who was going to be able to play and who wasn't. And we were really waiting almost down to the wire. Not exactly, but for football, in, fo- in terms of football purposes, it really 
uh, we were still getting a lot of information even day of like the Seattle running back situation didn't sort itself out till an hour before kickoff there. So not a typical situation that you see here uh, on week to week. I don't think this week is like that. I think that I mean, there are some COVID things out there that um, we need to keep an eye on. But in general, I get the sense that oh, my famous last word, I get the sense that some of our plays are a little uh, stronger and probably will maintain through the week uh, and with, with a few other question marks. We'll get into what they are. We'll start a quarterback. It, look, since Bill O'Brien's been fired, Deshaun Watson is just right back to being the guy that we wanted him to be for the first four weeks and just kind of wasn't outside of maybe the mm-hmm. uh, yeah I mean maybe the first game where he gets out and runs but still the touchdowns weren't there the last four weeks over 300 yards a game passing over 25 yards per game rushing um, the touchdowns have been there in kind of bunches nine touchdowns to two interceptions or they've lost all these games except for the Jacksonville one but I just kind of see him as the lock. I kind of struggled to write up other guys after him because I didn't. I almost wanted to like just keep hitting the return button so everyone would see the space between Watson and who I feel is the next closest guy. But this one kind of just feels easy to me, right? He gets Jacksonville again. They stink. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, is there really anything else? I hate to kind of skip over this and, and make it like it's not an, an op. That's not a discussion, but it doesn't really feel like one to me. Yeah, I think I land in the same spot. I mean, Watson's just gone right back to being the guy he was last season. He's still not priced that way for whatever reason. I would guess because the algorithms are moving more on ownership than production. And he's just cheaper than the other than his peers, right? Like he's absolutely a peer of guys like Murray, Wilson, and Mahomes, and he's cheaper and the money matters. And he's probably got the best matchup of any of those as well, depending on what you think of Miami with Kyler. So yeah, I'm I'm super happy to play Watson in cash this week. Oh, this is yeah, Jacksonville is just the easiest matchup there is in football right now. They're dead last in DVOA. They're dead last against the pass. Uh, it's not really all that close. Like, they's so much worse against the pass than the, the next pass closest is incredible. Team. Yeah, it, it, like the Jets are second, and, and the by, Jets are like, "What are you guys doing?" Like, geez, we we thought we would be doing everything humanly possible to be the worst. Yeah, against they're the like pass. Eight, <laughs> they're like eight percent worse than the Jets. That's the next yeah, worst it's team. It's, it's something. It's just it's totally insane. The offense of the Jacksonville wasn't good to begin with. Um, I mean, maybe you want to say, look, the Jacksonville can't hang in this game, and that's where it is. They're starting the backup quarterback this week, but because uh, Minshew's out, maybe that's where you want to go. But uh, in general, I just think that, look, we saw even if you thought this was going to be a blowout, we saw it last week with Mahomes. It's like, hey, and I kind of realized that after I thought about it, I was like, oh, right. Like, we kind of avoided Mahomes because of the blowout, but we're like, oh, if it was going to be a blowout, it was just because he just torched these guys, and that's just what happened. That didn't end up mattering because we just had uh, good lineups across the board, but um, when I real when I thought about why we had kind of faded Mahomes in that situation, I, it really became pretty clear to me quickly that I was like, oh, that process was a little flawed. Um, I I just don't I, like I said. I, I we're gonna walk into cash games 100 percent with Watson. I do think he's gonna be the chalk between the price differences on him and the matchup differences for some of these other guys. You just get such a savings on what he can provide you. So after him, these next two guys, I'm just gonna throw in there as like sort of GPP pivots. I don't think that again because I I'm, I don't want to make a strong case for them for cash games because I think Watson's a head and shoulders above the rest but I do have Murray uh second it's just not as good a matchup he's you know fantasy wise he's well you know it's interesting about him he's much better on the ground and mm-hmm. Watson probably still has more especially since they didn't trade any of those receivers like Fuller stayed put and Cobb stayed put um I want to I want to think that maybe Watson still has more passing upside but Murray it, it is hard to ignore what Murray the gains he's made on the ground this year yeah I feel the same way and we tend to err on the side of running quarterbacks. Well, we've talked about this a hundred times. 
you know, the yards you get on the ground are worth more. The touchdowns you can get on the ground are worth more. And I think paying a premium for a worse matchup when Watson's just been doing it anyway, I I could I could see it. I'd like if that winds up being the play, that's totally fine with me. But I'm happy. I, I won't be like bummed if I see Kyler's chalk and we're a little bit off chalk on Watson. Yeah, um, I, I I just think the savings is, is is material enough that I don't think that there's a great disparity between what they're gonna put up in terms of expected fantasy points. So I'm just I'm fine doing it that way. And then the other guy I have is Justin Herbert. His price has really actually come up a decent amount. We were looking at him as a discount play in the past, and that really isn't the case anymore. But I will say that though the price has come up, he's 7,900 on FanDuel. Yeah, you get a little savings at 6,800. He's been awesome. Like, like just from a mm. fantasy perspective, he's been really, really good. It helps that the Chargers defense kind of gives it up, so he's forced to kind of keep it up in the air. Um, I don't. I, I, he's behind these other two guys, but I will. I do. I do think that Herbert is beginning to creep into that conversation of sort of like elite quarterback. Like the, he's not in that top group. Like there's a Wilson group. There's the Murray group. Um, I don't know. Think Lamar's in there anymore. It might just be that Wilson. Oh, Mahomes is in that group for sure. I would definitely put Herbert now in the group one step below him. Them right, like the touchdown passes are there. Yeah. He's, he's throwing at huge volumes. Got over. He, 40 he runs yards. a little bit too. I mean, yeah, 142 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the season. You know, right around 20 yards a game. That's kind of where you want to be with these guys. He gets a good and and, and I and the Vegas thing. Vegas is uh, they're not Jacksonville, but they're not too far behind. Their defense is absolutely brutal. Also, this yep. Third worst against the pass, as best I can tell. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a solid play. I don't, you know, I think it'll be, like on FanDuel, it's kind of close but clear to me, right? Where if Watson didn't exist for some reason, I could consider playing Herbert. I just think Watson's probably, the track record's a little bit longer. The weapons he's got are a little bit better. The matchup's a little bit better, right? It's like every he probably runs a little bit better than Herbert, too. So I think all the signs are just a little bit better towards Watson and it's enough to make up the $400 difference in salary. So I'd be happy living with Herbert, but I just don't think we need to this week. All right, let's move on to running backs. Um, I kind of think this is might be clear too. And I hate to do the old, you were awesome last week thing. And now it's a reason to play you, but here we go. But um, in this case, yeah, you're getting a Dalvin cook. I think this is, it's appropriate in this case because listen, our criticisms of cook going into Sunday, when people in our chat, specifically FD Goat, give you a shout out, buddy. If you want to chat with someone called FD Goat, you can hop over to dfsr.com slash deals. Hop in our members only chat. But I'll give him a shout out here because we didn't like Cook as a play last week because he was coming off an injury and he was a significant underdog, right? He showed us that he can flip the script on that. And obviously, like there's a kind of a snow wheel, snow, snow wheel, <laughs> mixing up my metaphors here, a snowball effect where once he's good, it puts Minnesota in the place where they can give him the ball more. So, um, you know, it's just a if this, then that sort of thing, which probably made him a great big tournament concept if you wanted to consider him that way. But what we know going into this week is that the game script should almost certainly be favorable for Cook going up against Detroit. And if that's the case, we have a full season of knowing what that looks like, right? It looks like 25 plus touches. Uh, he's even getting targets in the air as well. So he's been fantastic. He scores all the touchdowns when they're down and close. There's really nothing bad to say about the play. And I don't, this actually isn't a week where you're going to have a ton of savings left over. It doesn't look like, at least early on. But what savings you do have left over, it looks like 
you could pretty happily invest them in the cooker. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I do think that I'm not I'm not um, lamenting our process going into last week. I thought it was sound. Um, we just we typically want to avoid these running backs in these situations. They are not underdogs this week, Minnesota. They are road. Oh, I just lost the line here. Uh, where is it? Okay, yeah. They're um, minus four road. Uh, excuse me, minus four home favorites with a decent total of 52 and a half. That's really where, is where we want to be on uh, a guy like Cook. I think even short of had he not had a great week last week, I think we'd be here anyway. Like I know sometimes it's easy to say, oh, you know, guy, you know, you know, you, you were great last week, and and now we want to play you. But that's I, I just think in terms of just overall volume and uh, general health, I think it makes a pretty easy call. I think other people will see it the same way. And Cook's numbers are just overwhelming this season. The rushing yards, he's second to only Derrick Henry in rushing yards, even though he's played a, basically a game and a half less than and than Henry, and he just is those two are nearly lapping the field on everybody else. And a lot of these guys after them have played like eight games and cooks played, let's call it five and a half at this point. It's really, he's just, he's been absolutely spectacular. The yards per attempt um, are easily the top 5.3 yards per attempt are easily the top uh, among the top group. So um, I think pretty easy call here. I think we're stacking, not excuse me, this on a stack. We're, basically locking Watson. I think we're locking cook. And I think we're locking this next guy, Chase Edmonds also, um, right? Like with Kenyon Drake out, we've seen Edmonds as more than capable as a change of pace guy, or just when they've spelled it's to the point where it's like, been like, Hey, should we just be starting chase Edmonds over Kenyon Drake at this point? The price comes up to 67 on FanDuel. It's not enough considering they had two weeks to basically redo this price. And I think we're just going to be, I think Edmonds is probably chalk as well. Well, yeah, Edmonds against Seattle when Drake went down, touched the ball 12 times for 145 yards <laughs> and was he's been phenomenal in the passing game for them all year uh and really you know with the way the direction the nfl is going he's just more isn't he just a more modern running back than drake right like his ability yeah. to be out there on all three downs be out there regardless of the game script he's shown you know being super efficient and being able to get it done on both the ground and in the air which you know a lot of these like you know naheem hines types and stuff uh, haven't been able to do both and I think he has so I think at 6700 he should absolutely be a chalk option here right now he's in 100% of our top 50 lineups yeah that's on FanDuel it's at, I'm going to call it a little closer on DraftKings where he's 6800 so a little bit more expensive where the money means. relative to um, the yes yeah, total selling. yeah like so I still think he's probably the play here because I think he's going to be the every down back and I think from a pass catching perspective that's where you want to be Miami not a perfect matchup and this game has a you know, somewhat of a low total so you know say what you want about that um I, one thing in miami is like not in their favor is that they are definitely like a bottle defense so they're they rank 11th in dvoa on the season but that stems from them being third against the pass and 32nd against the run so mm-hmm. um they're just they, they you know they give it up on the ground to other teams and make up for it by not having to you know be, being kind of exceptional through the air through you know you know that could be a sample size thing as well so I think Edmonds becomes another easy play after these two guys though where where to turn we've been we have been defaulting to playing more three running back cash game lineups this season that not every week but that's been more often than not where we've been landing uh where after those two can you see a third guy that fits in the cash game builds it gets pretty dicey actually after those two and you have to start um squinting a little bit right now when we don't have a lot of injury news the two guys that i was kind of batting around and i'm going to say also at a cheaper price point like i think derrick henry's a good play for instance but i don't think you're going to be able to play him alongside cook and play a nine thousand or eight thousand dollar quarterback as well so uh, if we're going down into the lower tier 
it's basically between David Johnson and Antonio Gibson, oddly enough for me. Um, I think Johnson might be the more popular play just because, you know, he's got the matchup going in his favor. Uh, he's got better name recognition. The price still isn't extremely high. And we've seen him touch the ball, you know, 20-ish times in games where the game script is favorable. The last time they played Jacksonville, for instance, he touched the ball 21 times. Uh, he's got plenty of wards too, you know, like a lot of high-profile flops early in the season have people kind of off it, but um, there really aren't a lot of good mid-range running backs, so he was kind of there for me. Uh, why don't you weigh in on Johnson first, and then maybe we can chat about Gibson. Yeah, Johnson is interesting. Uh, the matchup's great. You like that he's the the favorite here. That does check the boxes for us. Um, I don't know. I he's just It's so uninspiring, and I get it. So I think yeah, like, 20, 21 touches, right? The right. last time, the last time they played. And so, yeah, I, I get it. And this is, this is what I ran into and why I'm still holding out hope for better options ahead. So I'll just run down some of the other options and then you can, you can see where I was coming from. Right. And then we'll get to Gibson. I already mentioned Henry just probably can't afford both him and cook. Connor is 8,200 now going against Dallas. I mean, maybe people will want to do that. I could certainly see the case. You can't take Zeke at 8,000 going the other way. Um, I don't think you can play Mike Davis at 7,800. I don't think you want Josh Jacobs as a $7,700 play uh, as an underdog. You know, James Robinson, yikes. Edwards Hilaire still got Le'Veon Bell. And it basically just goes on like this, right? It's like all of the guys in the safe price tier are just not very attractive plays. And so I'm really curious to know what you think of Antonio Gibson because Gibson last week was phenomenal he had 20 carries 128 yards and a touch against dallas there were still guys like you know peyton barber had a bunch of touches jd mckissick is still there the last time they faced the giants gibson only had nine carries but he did have five targets um is it out is it outrageous to play gibson at this low price point i don't know because i I, you know i wrote this article up yesterday and even as i'm talking through it i'm not feeling as good about it no actually i feel pretty good about it um i'll never I'll, i'll just simply never understand like how the Peyton Barbers and the Adrian Petersons, and we saw Alfred Morris crop up. Like, I just don't get it. Like, what is it like the coaches like the old guys? Like, I just don't like, do they just see like a respect thing? Like they've been around the league a long time. Frank Gore. Like, I just don't, I'll just never get it. Like when Peyton Barber comes out and maybe, and maybe they're just spelling him. Cause like, you look, Gibson had 20 carries in that game and the game, you know, was like, you know, maybe they want to say it was kind of locked up at that point. He already had a huge game and they're just looking to spell him. But, Man, like I just, I, I, okay, this is a long story short. I feel pretty confident in Gibson this week as a cash game play. I'm not really worried about the Peyton Barber thing. The McKissick thing ends up becoming in the play because they were playing from down a little bit. It's less likely for that to happen here against the Giants. The Washington defense is still really sound. They are slight favorites here at minus three. Um, so the, it's a really low total So because these teams both play pretty slow. I actually feel pretty comfortable with Gibson, all things considered. I... And, and based on the price, the 6200 on FanDuel is palatable to me. Um, I think it's right around the same place. Uh, he's, a little, he's a little more expensive on DraftKings. But, um, yeah, I think all things considered, I'm pretty much there on him. I will say it's probably close between him and David Johnson because I, I, I tend to think I'm less worried about Johnson's overall time on the field. But I think it, when it's all said and done, I can lean Gibson. This one's going to be close, though. I, like This one, I, I'm, I don't... You can hear in my voice. I just don't feel I don't feel confident enough to make a decision right now. I will say both of them at the relative price points right now 
makes sense to me. And like, I feel better that like Johnson, for instance, in the last game was on the field for 54 of the 68 snaps. And that just hasn't been the case for Gibson all season, no matter what the situation is. So sure. Um, well, and, and one last thing before we, uh, before we move on from running back here, because I'm with you there, you got to keep an eye on the Miami situation. Miles Gaskin currently set to miss three games and we don't know yeah. where those carries are going to go. Um, they picked DeAndre Washington, I think it was. Yeah, up, they, up the, they still have Brita there. I don't know. Yeah, to fill in, they have Brita. Yeah, but that, that's a, a situation worth keeping an eye on because um, if you hate all these options anyway, playing someone like Matt Brita at forty seven hundred might not feel the worst. So uh, definitely keeping an eye on that one to see if we get any like definitive news. If you know this Washington character is even gonna hop in there do it jordan howard you know like i'm gonna keep an eye on that and, we, and i think saying. we still have to keep an eye on the, the seattle situation as well um you know they, they ran yeah, dj dallas open things up too they ran dj dallas out there a lot but this is this you know the the injury report we'll get into some of this with a game by game breakdown let's talk wide receiver there's some injury stuff that's cropped up this week that's going to open up it should open up some value here at wide receiver um i'm not going to go in the same order that i went for uh in terms of writing these guys up but um these two teams have basically similar situations though at different points of the price tier so the first one is atlanta is going to i'm almost sure calvin ridley is going to be out here uh, i'll double check the note again but um it really looked like ridley left the game with an ankle injury last game uh left early who's like instantly ruled out for the rest of the game and they have intimated that he's just going to miss some time so i, I feel pretty confident right now look this can change obviously he is a mild they said he's gonna be back shortly whatever that means it doesn't sound like someone that's gonna be playing this week with Ridley out, does Julio, who I called washed not only three weeks ago, much to my chagrin, because that has been, I mean, just a thousand percent wrong. The does that yeah. make, does that like lock Julio into like just crazy target share here for Atlanta? He's already getting the targets uh, pretty much mm-hmm. pretty consistently. Not a great matchup against Denver, but good conditions at home. Um, with, if Ridley were not to play. Give me your thoughts on Julio, where he stands in terms of just you know, certainty around cash games. And then I, you, and I wrote up Russell Gage as well. I don't feel as confident with that one. Yeah, Julio strikes me as a great play if Ridley sits for obvious reasons. I think that, and it's interesting with him too, because we've seen him in this situation in the past without like a Ridley type to siphon targets away from him. And he's been close to a $9,000 receiver. So I think you are getting somewhat of a discount there, paying just 8200 the question I'm going to have for him is the same one I'm going to have for Derrick Henry, which is at some point here, I'm just running out of money. Like we haven't discussed any good cheap plays yet, right? Well, Besides that's Chase not true. Evans, I suppose you can call it. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't think Gibson's a good play. That's what I'll say. I, I think Gibson's a playable option, sure. but given the choice and, I, and you know, it might just wind up shaking out this way because if there are no good mid $7,000 running backs either, well, Hey, you might as well just take the all th- spend less on the bad position to spend up more at the good position. I'm, I'm totally down with that, assuming the floor looks similar. So great play in a vacuum. Definitely still waiting to see if, if we're going to be able to fit it in. Okay, so um, and then Gage there too. I mean, we've seen him get nice targets. He's been in and out with the injury stuff. He had a concussion one week. Um, I need to kind of feel that one out a little bit. I, I'm not willing to go yeah. crazy target share on him, although I, we have seen big games from him in the past at times. So um, that's one I'm going to kind of monitor. The other one, is Kenny Galladay is going to miss some time here. This one's definitive. And where do you stand on the Marvin Jones, the Marvins here? We've got Marvin Jones mm. Jr., 
don't not to be confused with his father. And then we have Marvin Hall, who actually came sort of out of, I mean, he's been on the team for a while, but he came sort of out of nowhere in terms of production last week after Galladay left the game. Uh, he actually led the team in targets. Right now, Hall is actually showing up in some lineups for us. He had ten, uh, excuse me, he had seven targets last week. Hawkinson led the team, but he also led the team in yards, four catches. You were you've been all about team no random wide receiver if we haven't seen it before, yes. and that's been mostly correct. Like that was the whole thing last week, which was yes. hey, we have infinity loser wide receivers. Which one do we want to play? And you were very hard in your stance that you did not want to play any of them, which was correct. Um, where does yeah. Marvin Hall fall for you on that? He's the exact same as all those Interesting. guys. Interesting. Okay. He's the exact yeah. same as Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith, and the list goes on and on and on. These guys are all identical. Showing up one week when there's a surprise injury and getting a few targets is just meaningless. I mean, it's not meaningless. Like, there's some meaning there. But determining which of these guys is that going to actually show up and produce is an absolute fool's errand. Uh, unless, I think there are some exceptions to that. Like, if there's previous draft pedigree, if we've seen, you know, multiple samples of this exact situation from the word go before, like, you know, leading into the game. Like a guy I'm much more interested, for instance, in is, is TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson's been, you know, pretty consistent all year. And, you know, divvying up the existing targets, his direction at a terrible position. I'd be interested in playing him. I just can't imagine a world where I want to click the plus sign next to Marvin Hall's name. Marvin Jones, I could discuss. He's still cheap. He's 6,100. Uh, there's some track record there. Been a lot of Sundays with you and me texting each other about how Marvin Jones is doing nothing at all yeah. in spite of uh, expecting him to take on increased target share. It's going to be tempting because he had a big fantasy total last week on the back of scoring touchdowns on two of his three receptions, right? But I uh, I wouldn't feel great about that one either, but Marvin Hall is, is in no way to me. I can't imagine. Yeah, playing. Marvin Hall was kind of checking the box of where we what we mentioned before is now we've mentioned some expensive guys and how far willing, how, you know, once we feel very solid about some of these expensive guys, how far down onto the uncertainty chain are we willing to go on the receivers? I'm with you. I don't really want to do it either. We, this could easily just be Danny Amendola. This could be Marvin Jones. This could be Hawkinson. There's other guys that exists so i and also just guys that nobody's ever heard of like how many times do the saints have to do that to us right where you're like who is deontay harris or like whatever right it's like why does marquez callaway have nine targets like that just happens um and i i think trying to guess at that is not worth their while unless i'll say there's one exception i don't think it's relevant this week but we have seen times in the past where there are guys in that nine thousand dollar range that they just the sites just can't figure out how to price. Like I'm thinking like old school Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey at kind of the peak of his powers, where you're like, oh right, the sites just don't realize that this guy should be eleven thousand. And so if Marvin Hall or whoever comes out and gets us five fantasy points, it still doesn't matter because we're getting like for our for our savings, we're getting two thousand dollars extra on this other player. Um, we're not getting that in any of these expensive plays, right? Like Julio Jones might be a true talent, what nine thousand dollar player. Maybe we would pay 9600 for Dalvin Cook or something, but none of these guys is worth taking on this excess risk, in my opinion. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I, I, I'm with you that I kind of just don't want to go that path. I'm gonna, I feel bad because we're kind of going over time here, but um, I do want to fly through a couple of these other guys. One, I, I probably should have started with Brandon Cooks. I, you got to probably play. Um, you know, you don't have to, but it's going to make sense in a lot of just different fashions for the same reason we made a case for Watson and David Johnson to make a case for one of these wide receivers. I, th I think that uh, from from the Texans, I think that ends up being cooks for me. Uh, 6,100 on FanDuel. It's just not 
probably where he should be in terms of price, 5,500 on DraftKings. We've seen Brand Chalk Brandon Cooks come and go for sure. Uh, he did torch these guys last time they played, so um, I feel pretty good about that. The target share is easily there for me. I think he's it's close, I guess, with him and Fuller, but um, in terms of he just ends up becoming cheaper and has just as much upside. So it's, I, I feel like we're going to probably end up with 100% Cooks here. Yep, I'm all in on it. No, no reason to doubt it. Nine-plus targets in each of the last three weeks. Great individual performance in this previous matchup. And more importantly, the price is super right, right? Like, it's an it's a non-decision between, say, him and Marvin Jones at the exact same price. So, yeah, I, I love Cooks. Marvin Jones dreams he can turn into what Cooks is currently. So, right. I'm, uh, I'm ready. I think him. that's pretty easy. I, I wrote up Terry McLaurin as well. I think the target share has been good for him. You like to see that he's definitely Kyle Allen's premier, preferred target, as he should be. Uh, Allen, for you know whatever you want to say about him, is better than Dwayne Haskins, at least. And so they've seen... Um, you know, we've seen good production from McLaurin over the last couple games, even though one of those games was with Alex Smith. Uh, not the best matchup here uh, going against Logan Ryan uh, in what's probably going to be a cover situation, but I still could talk myself into Cooks, or excuse me, into Cooks, into, into McLaurin uh, from a cash game perspective. I think that the quarterback play is good enough. I, I'm seeing it as good enough now to consider him. We played him two weeks ago in cash, and, and he returned, had a nice returns on him. Uh, I don't see the situation as being all that different, even with maybe the Giants' secondary is a little better than what he saw. Uh, walk me through tight ends. You already mentioned Hawkinson. Uh, the tight ends continues to just be... Um, a problematic situation. All these guys are just priced the same at this point. The sites have essentially given up on the tight end and said, unless you're Travis Kelsey and now George Kittle's out for many weeks, at least um, the, all the rest of these guys look like, I, I feel like I could just replay what I said last week about what we said about the tight ends. Just like, just make like a tight end dump in terms of like audio and just move on with our lives. But any thoughts here on tight end? I mean, if you have the money left over, I do think Kelsey is not an embarrassing option at 8,000. Uh, he's pretty touchdown dependent, but when all your team does is just score touchdowns on repeat, then that's actually not the worst place to be. Uh, every t- every tight end is touchdown dependent, by the way, so that's a criticism you're going to be able to level anywhere. I do think at the end of the day, you're going to want to pay less of this position just because it's just a bad position. So we tend to want to not invest more in the worst positions unless you're really getting some absurd safety, like you know, think old school Gronk or something like that. I don't think Kelsey is there for me. Um, I'd like to play TJ Hawkinson, I think. 6000 seems like a totally reasonable price for me. Uh, he was excellent last week, both in terms of the just overall target share. I, I guess mostly in terms of target share. The 10 targets last week against Indy shows a trend that's heading in the right direction. He can score touchdowns as well. Uh, you know, fewer mouths to feed. I think it's all kind of coalescing for him. And then there's other guys that are all kind of the same to me, like Noah Fant, I think you can make a similar argument for averaging eight targets and like five catches the last couple of weeks. This is just what we're dealing with, right? None of these guys, you're not going to click on any of these names and be like, oh, geez, this guy had 10, you know, 25 fantasy points last week. <laughs> That's You're just right. not going to find that. So um, Evan Ingram's in that group as well, but this is just kind of where we are. None of these guys are going to be super exciting and you're just going to have to play one. So enjoy. Yeah, Fant's coming up in lineups. Ingram's coming up in lineups. There's like a Hunter Henry sighting. I'm Eric Ebron. These guys are all identical. You know, go, yeah, go ahead. Four tar- <laughs> right, four targets last week. It just it just is what it is. I, um, the one guy I guess we keep an eye on. Oh, let me just see if they're on the main slate or not. Oh, maybe they're not. Okay, I thought I, I for, couldn't remember if San Francisco was on this main slate, but I guess that they're they play. Oh yeah, they play Thursday night. Never mind. I was gonna mention Jordan Reed, but I, I, that's gonna be a wash. Okay, we're gonna get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com/deals. 
We'll get you started uh, on our premium projections powering uh, optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL, PGA. We've got the Masters coming around next week, so that should be a fun one. Uh, that's all covered under one subscription. NBA very much looking like it's going to be back December 22nd now with a vote coming t- tomorrow between the players and the, and the owners, and it looks all but certain that they're going to agree on a December 22nd restart. So you're about you know le- less than two months away from getting NBA back in our lives. It's all covered that's under cool. one subscription. DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started. Buddy, talk to you again tomorrow when we break down every game on the main slate. Let's go.